Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company is or how big the team. We showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exployant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that change careers and your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10% this year, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. We appreciate each of our listeners and are committed to introducing you to the most innovative, most successful sales leaders in the world. If you like what you hear, please keep those reviews coming on your favorite podcast sites. Your reviews make it easier for more people to find this show and be introduced to those sales success blueprints that have helped so many. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I am super excited today to welcome Sky Povey to the show. Sky is the VP of Sales for Weave. Weave is a technology platform that helps dental, optometry, and medical practices simplify how they run their front offices, strengthen relationships with their patients, and make it easier to provide experience experiences that patients really want. Sky joined Weave three years ago after a run in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers as a safety. Today, Sky leads one of the most successful SaaS companies in North America. Under his leadership, sales have grown over 400%. A team that was 40 reps strong in 2018 is now 105 reps strong in 2019. But the killer part of that, 92% of them are hitting quota. Sky is a high-energy leader that walks his talk, and we are in for a fun conversation today. Sky, welcome to our show, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm really excited, really excited to be here. So, Sky, I'm one of the dudes that saw you play some football in college. Uh, I watched you do some really cool things as an athlete. You went on to do some other things. You have a really cool story that ultimately led you to sales. Could you just take a couple minutes and, and for our listeners that are just getting introduced to you, could you kind of tell them a little bit, a little bit about your story and, and how it led you to sales? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so grew up, I grew up here in, in Utah, right? Um, played at a really small high school that uh, probably most people in Utah would tell you is the worst football high school in Utah. Um, I think, I think the year before I went there, I think they had had, I don't think we'd won a game in like two seasons or something like that. Um, but ended up, uh, that's where I ended up going, playing high school ball. Um, kind of one of those things where I went there, did really well, uh, you know, performed really well, but it was always kind of a thing that I was either too short or too slow or too small or too this. So, uh, ended up going to, uh, a junior college, um, is kind of where I started off my football career, Snow College. Um, a fun fact about me picking that junior college actually was, uh, the only other team that heavily recruited me was Brown University, right? And I wow. school. So yeah. some, sometimes I try to pride myself in the fact that, uh, I, I think I'm the only person that's ever chose Snow College over Brown University. Um, <laughs> that's another but, podcast uh, <laughs> episode all by itself, man. In, in and of itself, right? You know, that one where, uh, my mom was probably having nightmares about it. Um, but I mean, just to give you some insight, it, literally the decision for me was pretty simple. Was uh, I I knew I knew I loved football and it was my passion. And I was maybe it was overconfidence. I don't know. I I, I always say that um, arrogance is fabricated and confidence is earned. But I felt like I, I felt that. like no matter where I went to college, I'd have I, I would uh, have success. And so I wanted to chase my passion and pursue football the farthest I could. And I didn't feel like Brown would help that. I thought Snow would. So I kind of made that decision. Um, went to Snow. Uh, and then from Snow, I went and played at BYU. Uh, I guess when I say I went to play there, I walked on. It's not like they really asked me to come. They didn't really want me to come, but I just kind of showed up. Uh, 
started as a walk on there, you know, the guy with, I was a, I was a safety. I think I had number like 67 or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, none of the coaches knew my name. Um, coach Mendenhall was our coach. He had this rule where like walk ons didn't get stickers, right? Like we didn't get a sticker on our helmet because like you got to earn it. Right? Like you got to earn that you're part of the team. So I was running around with a white sticker on my helmet for a long time. Uh, long story short, you know, I, I, I kind of worked my way up and, uh, my beginning of my sophomore year was starting on some special teams. So I was really excited about it. Uh, got, uh, ended up on the travel team and played special teams all my sophomore year. Yeah. My junior year season opener, I was in the two deep. So I'd worked my way. I was the second string safety that year and I was on all four special teams and on the opening kickoff of our season opener against Washington State running down the field, I tore a ligament in my foot. So running down the field, it popped, popped off the field. And like, as an athlete, you know, you, you start to realize, you know, when something's actually wrong, right? Like, you know, when it's just hurt or you're like, no, yeah, that's, that's broken. That's torn. That's something. So, uh, we go to the trainer, he takes my, my cleat off and he starts filling around and he's like, yeah, you've completely torn your plantar fascia. And uh, as an athlete, you know, you're like, I don't even know what that means. I've never even heard that word. So basically all we ever usually ask is like, how long am I out? You know, yeah, <laughs> like how, sure. how fast can I get, how fast can I get back on the field? And, uh, he told me, he's like, no, yeah, this is, he's like, he's like, oh, you know, uh, at that time, our offensive line coach had, he played in the NFL and he's like, he's like, yeah, that was, uh, that's what ended his career. And I was like, oh, well, thanks for that. So he, he kind of right there told me, you know, there's no surgery for this. And nine, typically people just end up not playing again, right? Like there's, you can't fix it and you just never have it again. Uh, so kind of, you know, really long story short, I ended up rehabbing an entire semester, tried to come back in fall in spring ball, spring ball. The first day I went out to kind of really test it and cut. Uh, I, I cut and then I tore more of that and then a separate part of my foot. Uh, one of the main issues with it is that it, it, it's a crucial part of your foot, but you can't replace it, right? So now your foot structurally is, is not as stable. Uh, so I tore it again and, uh, we went at that time, went and got my mom got me specialists across country. We went uh, like three different specialists and all of them told me the same thing. They're just like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Like it was just uh, nothing we can do, nothing we could do. And all of them told me, yeah, you'll probably just, you'll never play football again. It's, you, you can't, you, I could jog, but I couldn't sprint and cut, right? Um, so I ended up calling a special, uh, physical therapist down in Arizona. And she was the one person I had called that, uh, that like I had, like got some hope out of. She told me, she said, if you come here, she's like, obviously we can't, we can't replace it. We can't this, but she's like, we will strengthen everything around it in a way. She was like, promise you that we can get you back on the field. If you come down here, we will do it. So I ended up talking all my teachers. So I started using sales skills right there in school. Uh, <laughs> talked to all my, all my teachers into letting me do all my classes from Arizona, even though they weren't like online classes. And I would just fly back for tests. But I moved down to Arizona to just do physical therapy training. Um, moved down there and did that for six months trying to get back. That season was rough. I mean, dude, it was a lot of just playing through pain, take my foot up. Played that year, earned a starting spot my junior year. Senior year started at safety. I uh, was a special teams captain. And then kind of, as you mentioned, ended up uh, getting picked up as a free agent with the Packers and did their rookie mini camp. Ended up getting released from there. So well, how does that lead to sales? That's a led- killer story. I love this story. I mean, I mean, everything you're saying, I can see why you are a badass in sales. How did that, how did that happen? <laughs> sales is for me. I mean, that story, the relentlessness, there's so many things we could talk about, Sky. It's such a great, yeah. great uh, intro. How does that get you into the world of sales? Yeah. So with that, when football was done, I think every, every person who's super passionate about something moves to the next is like, what's my next gig? Like, what do I do? Right. And it, it really is like you search your soul because you've spent 25 years of your life doing one thing. Uh, well, as I looked into everything and all the different, you know, career paths and this, that, and the other, the thing that just jumped out that I loved about sales was that football is the ultimate meritocracy. If you look at the NFL, the best player is placed because every coach knows that every year their ass is on the line. If you don't win, you're fired. And so it is like, it is, if you're the best player, you will play. You come in as a rookie and you're, you're lighting it up. You're going to be on the field, right? So I, I love the feeling of I controlled my own destiny, right? If I want to start, I can earn it. 
if I work harder than the guy next to me, I'm going to get a shot. And so when I looked at sales, that was very enticing to me is that it was a career path where I didn't have to wait for time to pass, where I didn't have to wait for tenure. It was like, I think in this world, it's so transparent, right? Sales is very, very transparent. As we all know, you hit your number, you miss your number, you're getting better, you're getting worse. And I knew like I can show, no matter how young I am, no matter any lack of experience, I can show my merit and I can make my career what I want. I can make my earning potential what I want. And I, I just love that. I love that every year I could say, no, I want to make more and I can make more, right? So awesome. that was a uh, part of it. And then um, the team aspect, like sales is a very, very, I would say good sales organizations are very team oriented, right? And when you're leaving a team, it's hard to just go be a lone wolf. Like it's not in your nature and you're, you're very used to being pushed by the person next to you and fighting for the guy across for you. And, and so I like that in sales, there's a lot of people. I'm a very, I'm a people person, right? So it's like, I wanted to be around. I wanted to compete. I wanted teammates and I wanted a chance to kind of write my own story. I love that. I want to compete. I want teammates and I want to write my own story. So for those of us that, for those of people that are listening to the show that don't know Weave yet, um, Tell them how you got to Weave and maybe really quickly what Weave does because I want to get into what you've done. Now, this is a killer start, uh, Sky. I, I cannot wait to dive into, you know, your playbook for what helps you have killer growth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started, Weave was the first job, first real, well, uh, first real job that I took. Uh, came in here. At that time, we had roughly 30 employees. I uh, came on as what well, at that time they called a junior account executive. Uh, long story short, that just that meant that I was like you had no lead source help at all. You and you had no SDR, you had no inbound, no nothing. It's just you and a phone and a computer, and it's how much revenue can you generate. Started there, kind of worked my way up. Uh, pretty quickly became our, our our top sales rep, and then went on to a travel team. Went and sold at events and traveled around the country selling on the road for a while. Came on the inside, did that. And then uh, at that point, we uh, gave me an opportunity to take over what was our outbound sales team. It was a really small, super scrappy team. Uh, all the teams I have, we'll usually put, we have mottos, mantras. We'll even have like, I guess you could call it a mascot, but it's more of like something that embodies us. Uh, that one, it was that we were the honey badgers, right? Because it's just that. Nice. I put up a video of those honey, <laughs> like little honey badgers fighting lions, right? And uh, it was kind of that scrappy mentality because we didn't have lead sources, right? We were just cold callers. So, we took that team though, and that was the team that we, in six months, we increased their production by 400%. We took outbound close ratios from, from a two year running average of 9%, finished the year at about 28% as a team with top performers hitting about 40% uh, on their outbound close ratios and just really boomed from there. Then uh, we've moved me to, at that point, we verticalized. They put me over dental which was our, our biggest vertical and basically the majority of our organization at that point. Uh, and then also I started medical for us halfway through last year. Um, and last year was, was we huge growth, right? So we, we grew by over a hundred percent and to put it into context is we're not like we've been around, right? So we were growing by about 30% for multiple years in a row. Last year we grew by a hundred percent and nice. it put us in it put us in a tier of if you look at companies of our size that grew by 100% and you compare it to companies that tech companies that have IPO'd in the last 15 years, it put us in the top 85 percentile in terms of growth rate. All right. So that doesn't suck. And so, as you know, the theme of this show, we bring on people who are like you. I love like your motor's running. You got me fired up right now. Our listeners that are driving, <laughs> out or sort of, they're fired up right now too. We have a, an awesome fired up listener base that they communicate with us. And right now they're, 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 they're stoked. So my question is, we have like, we're down to like, we only have a little over 20 minutes to, to talk about this. So I, I can't wait to get into it. You know, you yeah. took over a team, uh, you know, with, with some history and you had some reps and you drove killer growth. Here's my first question. Getting them from one growth, which is acceptable growth, but going into high growth, because again, the thing our show is about, we only bring on sales leaders that take what the market gives and then some. My favorite three words you'll hear us talk about are and then some. How do we take the goal and then some? How do we take what the market gives and then some? You have done and then some on steroids, brother. And so 
What's harder, getting him on high growth mode when you have 14 reps or whatever, 40 reps or whatever the number is, to today you got 105, but 92% of them are still ass kickers. What's harder, getting into high growth mode or staying in high growth mode? Oh, man, that's like the chicken and the egg, right? Uh, um, that's a tough one. I would say I would say getting into high growth mode is probably, is probably what what is – what needs to start it, right? And I guess the reason I say that is because, as you know, sales is momentum, okay? Uh, you know, any any rep, anything they know, the first of a quarter, the first of a month, whatever, however your quota works, usually the hardest one is the first one, right? We send our team to events, and, uh, you know, we'll do – at some of the events we do, we'll do a quarter million dollars on the floor in three days, right? And it, it's funny, but, like, the last day we'll do $125,000 worth revenue. Day one we did 20, right? So momentum, right? Now, uh, that's why I would say getting into that because it's kind of a, you know, a term they use for it, activation energy. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but basically it's the idea behind, you know, think about waking up in bed in the morning. What is yep. the hardest thing to do? It's to just get out of bed. It's just to stand yeah. up, right? Sooner, like three minutes later, when you're brushing your teeth or whatever, it's like, oh, it's not that. It's not like you're constantly fighting that pain. No, I'm going to go dive in bed. It's just yeah. getting out of bed, right? So that, we, it's that activation energy. So I would say like a company it. at most, they need that spark, right? They need that. Now, granted, if you don't, if you could let it, it'll die. But I think getting it started is, is might be what the, the hardest part. Yeah, that makes sense to me because I would guess that getting that momentum is a lot of things. It's it's getting that activation energy, but it's also developing systems. And if you have the system, then you can have reasonable confidence that you can scale it and make sure that you're bringing people in that fit into that high growth system. Is Is, is that a fair way to look at it? Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I, I like to use the word systems, right? Like, so we, we have a lot of things that we preach here and, uh, and, and one of them is, you know, uh, pro- process is greater, is greater than results, right? So like, it, it's like, what is your process? Like, what is it that you do? Like, if you look at a lot of people talk about like just goals and, and don't get me wrong, goals have their, have their purpose, right? But like, if you looked at somebody who's a, a champion, you know, you look at the Patriots and you look at the Browns, a lot of times they probably have somewhat similar goals, right? And so it's like winners and losers at times share goals. What they don't share is process. It's that if you look at your people that do well, if you look at your teams that do well, if you look at your companies that do well, it is not that simply they wrote down a great goal. It's that they backed it with, I think the word you used was a system, right? But they back it with a process in place that will ensure that they will slowly start moving towards where they're trying to go. So how do you find that system? How do you find that process? I mean, you're, you're a guy that comes in, you've been a football guy, you're a high energy guy, you're a smart guy, uh, you're a super hard worker. They come and say, okay, we'll give you a shot as junior AE. And before you know it, you're, you're at the top of all the leaderboards. And then they say, okay, now let's give you a chance to lead. How, how do you figure out what that system is? Because a lot of people talk about process, but it's the reason that you're doing so well is you figured process out to a tune that you can now plug in any number of reps and you have reason to believe that you can have nine out of 10 hit goal. How do you figure out what that system is? Because everybody talks about it, but my experience guy, it's rare to find guys like you that actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I would say, you know, first and foremost, and you know, it, it may sound like a little cliche. I think some people kind of, kind of say it, but they don't really do it. And I think before you set anything into play, like you, you, as a leader, you absolutely positively have to know what is your deep why, right? Like what is the vision behind this whole thing and what makes it go and then build from there. Right. And I think sometimes people do it kind of in reverse. And so like for me, for example, like if you were to ask me what is like my passion, my passion is to develop people into like the highest performing version of themselves. Like I, that is literally what makes me go. And, and that could be in any, like I tell our team all the time, guys, if, if, if a year from now you leave here and you never do sales again, or, you know, you work for two years and I don't, I do not care. What I care about is that while you are here, you learn things and you become someone that no matter what you go do after, you kick a massive amount of ass because of what you learned here, right? That you could go open a hot dog stand and be like, dude, this is the best damn hot dog stand in New York because of what I learned while I was at Weave and who I became, right? So like my passion, it truly is. It's not, you know, it's not bullshit. I think my team, you know, people can feel when you're genuine. My team knows 
I deeply care for them. And I 100%, my number one goal is to make them as massively successful as possible, right? So when we start there, now it's like, okay, now how do we get there, right? And so we start working backwards. And, you know, three things that as a leader I always am looking at is first and foremost, culture. Culture, culture, culture. People can say it. They can whatever. Like actually mean it. Mean it. Because I promise you that your culture but we always say our results are simply a reflection of our culture. I, I, I push I, a pause, like, bro. Of this year, we, bro, I'm pushing pause. Ahead. Sorry, man. My show, I get to push pause. Okay. This is, this like is it. awesome. Everyone talks about culture. I want to know what the sky pove say culture. Cause here's what I don't think. I don't think it's a ping pong table. I don't think it's a, a well-stocked fridge. What do you think culture is? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's nothing about a pong, ping pong table, yes. nothing about a damn fridge, right? <laughs> what is none of that shit, right? If anything, <laughs> funny enough, I, I, I always say, have you ever, there's a, there's a little book of talent, right? And it's the guy who studied the top, you know, the top reasons people are high performers. One of them, he says, choose Spartan over luxury. And what he said is that he's shown that world's best performers actually work out in like Rocky Balboa type facilities right like like i didn't know this michael phelps trains at a ymca right so i didn't know that the building all that yeah it's it's really interesting right um but no i'm with you all that stuff dude that's shit like that doesn't make people happy you know to be honest like don't get me wrong sales people we want to make money right we love to make money but when all is said and done like our guys you could come in any day and you will see people who are extremely happy extremely bought into what they're doing and i think what it is, is I think number one, people have to feel like they're in a place where their leaders truly like first and foremost want them to succeed more than they want to hit their own number. And I, I actually mean that. Like I, I say truly that again, Scott. Can, I want or, that like, to be a sound drop. I want to hear that. Leaders say that again. I want to make sure we get that one right. Cause that is a big, that's a nugget, man. Every leader, listen tight, listen, to, say it one more time. They care about what? Yes, the, 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 the feeling that your people know that you as a leader truly do care first and foremost about them over like your own number or their number. And not, like if you take care of your people, so like if you take really take care of them and you put like, here's what's cool. I, I have always, I, I believe this. I deeply, I firmly believe this. As a leader, how far you can push, right? And you know, as a leader, you got to push. There are times where you got to push. There's times where you got to say the hard shit. There's times where you got to grab somebody and let them know where things aren't working, right? Now, how far I can push is directly proportionate to how much they think I care. Because if, if I'm pushing that. hard, right? If I'm pushing hard, but you don't think I care, Sky, you know, here's, here's the thought. Sky is an asshole. All he cares about is getting his quarterly bonus, right? Now, if I'm pushing hard, and I'm like, dude, I've been here and you're doing A, B, and C and A, B, and C does not work. And I want you to, I want it to work here. I want you to be here, right? I want you to have success here. And when I push, he knows, dude, this is coming from the fact that he actually cares about me. Like he wants to see me succeed, right? I always tell our team, like, like it, it, apathy is the worst thing. Right? Like if I throw you in the corner and I'm not doing anything, I'm not talking, I'm not coaching you. It's because I don't give a damn. It's like, if I'm coaching you and putting time, as we know as leaders, your time is your most scarce resource. If I'm putting time into you in a one-on-one, in, in, in anything, it's because I'm like, I see that you could be something. You could be something great, and I want you to be that. And so I'm trying to help them get there. All right, so that's culture. It's number one. I got to get to number two and three, and then you just talk coaching. I have to go back. So you're going to give me two and three, and then we're going back to coaching. Okay, dude? Sounds good. Right, so number one, culture. Number two, uh, the development of leaders. I just really do think that a company, like if we have a shit ton of just awesome leaders, we that that will exactly show us how big we get and how much success we have. How many leaders we have? Great. How that's how big we'll get. I'm really really big on putting someone into a role, you know, giving someone a shot, not necessarily just off of experience or whatever, but off of who I know that they can become and off of their potential as opposed to maybe their past, right? So it's like you, you have somebody you put over a, a small group of five, and all of a sudden that group of five is kicking ass. How quickly can I put that guy over a group of 10 or 20, right? Um, leaders have that ripple multiplying effect. So what I try to do is pour my time and effort into people that I know, hey, if I pick you up and I plop you over here, then it is felt throughout that entire region. 
because you're the type of person that, that owns stuff. You're the type of person that's creative, right? Like I, my people have autonomy. They know, I tell them all the time, I would way, way, way rather have to say no to you than go, right? Like, like yeah. be on the, on the aggressive side of being too, too proactive, of being too creative, of trying to own it too much, right? Like if you, if it's too far, I'll let you know. So it's a thing where like, I really, my, it's one of my biggest goals that three to four years from now, like half the, v, the VPs of sales that are here in freaking Silicon Slopes or Silicon Valley or Silicon wherever are like came from Weave. And then when someone sees Weave on a resume, they're like, dude, that we want that guy. We want that. We want that. We want this girl. We want, we know that that, that stamp on that resume means they are this type of person. They're this type of leader. They have this type of work ethic. That's kind of like one of the things we always say, build the brand, right? Like build that yeah. brand. I love that. So I wrote down my note on that is, Go, no is greater than go. I think that is so good, man. You, you know, go, you know, you, you know, do your thing. And I would rather tell you to slow down and don't do that because maybe you have some context. That's got to create a really cool, go back to number one culture where people feel empowered that they can, you know, make their best decision and then go try to execute. Execution is going to be greater than ownership of ideas. It sounds like. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, dude, your, your company, any company, right, is, is full of phenomenal people that could be exception, exceptional leaders and are creative and smart. And it's like, why would you not want to, in some small way, have that person be the quote unquote CEO of their own little company and give them the right to just kick ass? Like, I, 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 I have four to five mini CEOs that we've all built out. They own everything they're doing, and I'm, a, as a leader, I'm just there to clear their path, to help give direction, to bounce ideas off of. Like, I, I really am about, you know, one guy in particular that jumped out to me, when I very first came into our company, he, he was on a, a performance plan for the second time. I sat down, his midway through the month, and they're like, here's your team, and by the way, you are going to be losing one at the end of this month, because this guy's just not panning out, right? So I sat him down. I said, dude, look, I don't know you. I have no, like, I will, I don't give a damn what you've done in the past. You are a blank slate. You're, here's your name and it's blank next to it. I go, tell me whoever you are. And I was like, if you're working hard and you prove you're a good teammate, I don't care what your number says. I was like, I will keep you, right? So this guy had never hit quota, keep in mind. Been in our company for eight months. Never one time hit quota, caused culture issues, everything. Well, so you fast forward to like, so that was the last half of 2017. In 2018, he finished number three overall in revenue. He became a, a divisional leader. He runs a team of 10 to 15 people now and is literally starting to become one of my most promising leaders. Cares about his people, is engaging. Like, it's people, how people act is a reflection of the culture and environment you've created. It's not a reflection of them. I really believe that. People get, ri get rid of people because they're like, he's a bad fit. No, no, no. If they're acting a certain way nine times out of 10, you as a leader have created somewhere or another through a comp structure, through what you've allowed, you have created something that made him act that way. People will act in accordance to their environment. All right. So I love that number two. I wish, like I said, all of your three culture development leaders, we could do a 30 minute podcast on each of these, but we got to get to three because I still got to get to coaching, bro. So what's number three? I get, I got you. Uh, number, number three actually is training. So it's, uh, okay. I, I, I always try to keep it simple. So it's two things. It's training and process, right? Cause those are, they go hand in hand. They're super important. But the third one for me is training and process. It is that it, it is, it is, it blows my mind. Maybe it's cause I come from a sports background of when I entered the professional world, I would see these sales reps that have been in sales for 10 years and have not practiced their craft in, in eight years. Right. And like in their eyes, like, dude, I've been in sales, yes. I've been around yes. like, You'll see, you'll see, dude. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, Steph Curry, think he knows how to shoot a three? You're damn right he knows how to shoot a three. Do you think he practices it every single day? It's like, it, master your craft. Like, if you're doing something, master it. And if you're ever doing something that you don't want to consistently try to get better at, if you're doing something that you don't want to practice, find something new. Because basically that is an indication to you, you don't like what you're doing. Like we, it, it is like I am constantly reading and like podcasts, right? And YouTube videos. And I'm like, what we role play. And it's just like, dude, if I'm going to be in sales, I'm going to be the best damn sales leader that has ever walked this planet. So it's like, if you're doing something and you don't want to train it every single day, then you got to ask yourself if you're doing something to even like. 
Yeah. You know, this, that's, I love that, those three. And like I said, I, I told you before we started this, these, these, these interviews go so fast, Sky. I can't believe we're already getting to the end here. You said a statement. I want to, I want to, I got to spend time on coaching because every single guest that comes on goes to coaching. But when I had the chance to meet you, I was fortunate enough to be invited into your office and get to meet you. Uh, you bloom, you, you, you were really good because I work with people helping build coaching systems. I was thoroughly impressed with your approach to coaching. You've brought it up. One Thank you. Thank times. you. You made a statement that I wrote down and I want to bring to you. There's two statements. This is the first one. We're going to get the second one. Um, you said something that led to a lot of your success in coaching that I wrote down. You said, how you do something is how you do everything. And I believe that that has everything to do with sales and everything to do with coaching, but it also has everything to do with life. Could you talk about how that statement helps you be an effective coach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just, uh, just so you, do, I mean, obviously, dude, you could say it a million different ways, but how, how we always echo it is how you do anything is how you do everything, right? That's, 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 that's the way that we always put it. How you do anything is how you do everything. What's funny is like my whole team can echo all these things, right? These are our models. That's who we are. But yeah, I, I mean, it's, uh, like it's all intertwined. That's why to break them all out and act like things are in silos, cultures over here, training, that's all intertwined. And it's like, if I'm like, my number one why is to develop people, right? And it's like our, my number one thing is culture and culture are people come first. So if that really is true, right, then this third one we're talking about training and coaching. Like if I don't want to take the time out of my day or my month to put invest into you, then it's just lip service, right? Like how could I sit and try to tell you my message is, hey, hey, Johnny sales rep, you're my making you great is my number one goal. And he's like, awesome guy. Well, you know, could I sit down with you? Things aren't going well. I'd like some feedback. I'm like, oh, I'm busy. I got to look at some, got to look at some, some lead charts. Right. Yeah. It's like, no bullshit. Like your people invest in your people and it will multiply 50 times more than anything else you could ever invest in. So it's like, it, like we invest in our people. Like I am consistently coaching, training, right? As, we, as I mentioned to you, we do one-on-ones twice a month. At the very first Monday of every month, you meet, you re, it's half of it is recapping last month. What went well? What could we do better? Where are we at? How are your goals? What are your focuses? Perfect. What are we going to do this month? Right? Then you halfway through the month, you sit down with your direct report. Where are we at? Right? And none of this comes from a position of, you know, micromanaging or whatever else term somebody would want to try to throw onto it. It is a, dude, I want to see where you're at so I can help. Okay, halfway through the month, things are not looking great. And here's why, but here's the good news. If you start doing this, I think we could still get there, right? So like, like it's all intertwined. Everything we do, it's all within itself. So I'm pushing pause again because you, you went a place that I'm really glad you went. I have leaders that talk to us that are not as effective as a leader as you are, that they say, I'm really worried to have my one-on-ones be perceived as micromanagement. So you brought up micromanagement. You know, you look at coaching as an investment in people and your reps are going to see that if I'm not getting that investment, I must not be part of the plan. How did you build that, that uh, culture, I guess is the right word, where your reps say, you're damn right, you better be coaching me rather than leave me alone. I got this. Don't micromanage me. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So number one is like, obviously this is like, you know, I, I don't know exactly how to coach it or hand this to you, but it's, it's be, be genuine, be real. If you're sitting down and the person can actually tell like, no shit, Sky is sitting me down right now. We're talking because he wants me to do better. Like he wants to help. Then right. like, that's number one. Like that's gotta be there. Right. Probably a given. Now what I would say is number two is uh like, some we preach here a lot because we do say culture, you know, culture and process are more important than results. It's like reps in our company know if you're getting better, I will never get rid of you ever. I think I don't care how far off of your quote unquote quota you are. If you are getting better, how could I not continually invest in you? What you are showing is that you are moving in the direction that we want you to go. Right. So like even like we've had reps that come in and that we're just struggling. Right. And you, you, we've all seen it. The look of that stress on their face of quotas. Grand, for like, sure. compiling and holy hell and it's like dude i'll some i'll literally sit down and say hey i don't give a shit what you think quota is i will say what's the best month you've ever had here? blank right which it wasn't even close to quota awesome 
So let's put together a game plan and try to beat that. If you beat that by one deal, win. That is a win. How is that not a win? You got better, you know? That, that's like people sometimes will get frustrated of, of like if you just did the best you've ever done at something and you're frustrated, you need to have a reality check. I, go celebrate that shit. You're getting better, right? So like to me, like they know that when we coach, when we do one-on-one, it's not like, show me the numbers, show me the numbers, right? It's like, hey, where are you at? What can we help you with? How do we help you get there? Uh, or, you know, what do you think you can focus on? It just comes from a position of helping, and I think they feel it. Oh, Scott, that's such a good tactic. I, I hope our leaders really got that one. Show me the best month you've ever had. Let's beat that. What a killer tactic. I mean, that's that's absolutely walking your talk. I mean, now, now you're not saying, I got to get you, because you and me know this. I don't believe in the binary approach. You're either hitting goal or you're not. I like that the only person you have to beat is yourself last month yourself last week. Absolutely. Last year. Yep. That is a killer tactic. And I'm telling you, we're going to have you come back on again, and we're going to start diving into these things in a little more depth. I, we're running up on it, and I want to make sure we finish the way that we we finish with everyone because I, I think the way you answer this first question will be really a good one for our listeners. First of all, thank you. You you were you you everybody. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me. And I, uh, if I freaking just rambled on about random stuff, it, it, <laughs> you know, it I, awesome. I apologize. But, uh, what's funny though, just so you know, once again, you know, like how you do anything, how you do everything. Like if you, if someone were to interview at Weave, you'll, they would realize very quickly that 70% of our interview is me just talking to you. Like, where do you come from? Oh, what, what do you like to do? And like, it's not like, Hey, wait, let me see your metrics for the last, no yeah. bullshit. Like, what's up? <laughs> you know, how's it going? Like, and it's never of like, why should I choose you? Right. It's like, dude, you're a human being. You have passion. And right. what are you trying to accomplish? Awesome. Right. Wow. What you're trying to do fits with our why. It might be a great mutual fit. Right. So just like, I guess this podcast probably reflects that. I like to talk about people. I like to talk about shit that some people would say has nothing to do with sales. But funny enough, in my opinion, it has everything to do with sales. No, I, that's why I think you're such a good guest. So let's, let's, let's get to the last ones because uh, I can't wait to see what your answer to this one is. I always ask every guest the same two questions to finish, Sky. And the first one is, I want yep. you to think about your career as a sales leader, not just a, not a salesperson now, sales leader. What's your biggest leadership challenge you faced and how did you attack it? <sighs> Good one. Um, yeah, I would say it, it, it kind of, I guess if I just go, usually go with your gut, right? Whatever the gut is, is usually what's right. Um, my gut went to, it, it fits right along the lines of what we were just, how, a lot of what we've been talking about. And it's that, it's the, that fine line, right? It's, it's of, of walking the fact of you deeply care about this person, right? And you want to help them. But at the same time, you also have to continually try to do what is best for your team and your organization, but also do what's best for them even when they don't know it. Right. So it's kind of that it's as a leader, it's how do I walk this line so that I can like as a leader, if you don't push like or if you're not, if sometimes you don't piss your people off, you're probably a shitty leader. Right. Because at times people are going to they're going to want to fall to being a little lazier. They're going to want to not do something right. And so, like, you're going to have to tell them something they don't want to hear. Right. Or you're going to have to be hard on them. But funny enough, if, if nine times out of ten that's ever happened in the moment you do it. They have this certain feeling that they'll come back to you a week later and say, Hey, I, I thank you so much. Like I, 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 I needed that. That was the kick in the ass. I needed the spark. And I know you're doing it because you're helping. Thank you. Things are going well. Right. So it's kind of helping them understand like you care and you deeply care for them and you're there. But at the same time, you know, another thing we echo is no individual is greater than the whole. Everything we do has to be for the best of the team and the organization. So it's like, it's such a, it's such, you know, such opposing forces, but just trying to manage that so that your people are, are right there where you can push, but they also know that you, you do care about them. I love that. That's a great answer. So that takes, I mean, that's so good. I mean, so many people are afraid to have those conversations. I think that's a great, great one that everybody will relate to. So here's the last one. The greatest leaders are the ones that, like you said earlier, they don't get done practicing shooting their version of the three-pointer. They're always, the great leaders are always continuing to improve. And one of the things that I found is quite often leaders are readers. Now, sometimes it's articles and sometimes it's books and sometimes it's blog posts or whatever. 
what have you read that you think has helped fuel your success in your journey that you would recommend other high growth sales leaders might want to add to their library? Yeah, no, you're spot on. You know, they, 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 what's the expression? Uh, any fool can learn from their own mistake, right? So that's somewhere, you know, you can, you can go learn something that a guy took five years to study and figure out and compile it into a book and you can read it in a week, right? So I huge, I'm a huge reader. Uh, last year I read 45 books. Uh, wow. this, this year the goal is to read 52. I want to read one a week. Also, funny enough, I, I found that like a lot of, I say read, right? But like, like I'm actual reading those 45, I probably read 15, right? And the other 30 were audible, right? So obviously I didn't actually read all those. That's I one think audible is a great people. way to do it. No. Audible is a killer way to do it. Oh, killer, right? But some people, when they hear that, they think like, dude, where do I find time to read? It's like, get audible. And guess what? When you're driving to work, throw on a book. When you're running, throw on a book, right? So like, so uh, Audible, huge, obviously. There you go. Tip to just throw that on and start to consume a lot more uh, information. But um, yeah, huge reader. I would say books that I love, right? Uh, it, it, I guess if I were to put them in particular into the leadership category, one of my favorites, I'm sure I would imagine that a lot of people have echoed this one, uh, Leaders Eat Last. Love the book. Great choice. Absolutely love the book. And it, it, Simon Sinek is one of my favorites. His, yep. his message is like really well aligned with mine of the fact that like, dude, teams follow people where funny enough, I take that to such an extreme Rob that we feed our, so we feed our employees every Wednesday and then we feed everybody the last two days of a month. Right. And I literally like no exaggeration. I won't go down and eat until I feel like my, almost my entire team is eating just because there <laughs> has been times where the order was wrong, you know, and we didn't have enough. And it's like, I feel like shit when I'm sitting there like just pigging out, and one of my hardest workers was on a demo, and now he's sitting there, he has no lunch. I'm like, who the hell am I, dude? Like, that guy's grinding, right? He's in the trenches. So, like, I, just, I, I love, love the that. book. And that just even that little line, leaders eat last, absolutely. Be the leader that freaking waits till everybody else is fed, and if there's something left over, sure, I'll eat, right? Uh, I love that one. Shelf right now. I'm looking at that one on my shelf right now. It's a great choice. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, second one, I read this with all of our team leads. Well, I brought a caveat that obviously people may have opinions of this guy's personal life, right? But I also am one to think that, that if somebody knows a bunch about something, other shit they do wouldn't take away from that per se. Like, I want to learn from you. I, I would never say, well, you don't blank, right? Me personally. I just want to learn yeah. what I can. Uh, but above the line, right? Above the line oh, is, yeah. is uh, Urban Meyer's book. Yeah. And phenomenal book. It, he that is you want to talk about a guy that understands teams and building teams and cultures. That is a very straightforward way of how to build a very culture driven, very like leadership driven organization. No one said that um, have one. You read that one? No one has said Urban's book. I've heard it's great, but you're the first one to recommend on the show. I'm going to get it now because like I'll put it in my cart today and get it based on your recommendation. Oh, you will love it. There's like, there's a couple like whenever we read a book, we'll take a couple of things that we like to echo, right? Like one thing he has in it, he always on all of his teams, they say no BCD, right? No BCD. And he said that banners have BCD and it's crossed out and BCD is blaming, complaining and defending. Right. And so like, nice. and then another one that I really liked is his book, they call it nine units strong. And basically mm -hmm. he says that the success of his team, so football, right? You have your quarterback coach, your offensive line coach, your running back coach. Well, he has nine coaches on his coaching staff. And there's, so there's nine units and he says like, we're nine units strong. So like the strength of the team is the unity of the different units. Right. Uh, and it's something I, I really like. Uh, so yeah, above the line would be the second one and uh third one. Oh, go ahead. No, I said, bro, these are so great. You got a third one. I want it. We want oh. it. Third one. Let's see. I'll, I'll end with, uh, those ones were like true, true leadership. This one's kind of, Maybe like more of a, and this one I, I would imagine you've got to get a lot. Cause it's, it's funny though. If, it, if you see themes enough, right? Success leaves clues. If you hear something enough or see it enough, there's probably truth to it. My third one, uh, go, the go giver. Love it. All time, Love five, that. top five all time favorite book. Read it every year, right? The Alchemist is one I read every year. There's a couple books I read every year, but yep. it's the go giver. Cause like it, go read that and then be that and you will be a phenomenal leader because like leaders are, they're givers. They give. And it, it's a funny thing where if you just keep give, 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 what comes back to you is multiplied tenfold. And, and people can tell when you're a taker, they can tell when you're self-interested and then they don't trust you and they're not bought in. My team knows like legitimately I am there for them. I help you. I am here 
Because guess what? If I keep worrying about them, I know I'll be fine. Because if they're kicking ass, a byproduct of it is I'm in a good spot. Sky, uh, you got the motor that does not turn off. I freaking love it. You fired me up today. I, I, need, I need to schedule a call. Probably with a you. little, a little too much. Nah, I need to schedule a call with you once a week. Hey, I, I want to thank you for everyone listeners. This Sky Sky Pove, he is the vice president of sales for for all of Weave. He is on a mission, and his mission is to make every single team member massively successful. He does it through his three uh, pronged approach that he shared with us. He's one of the great coaches I've ever met as I've worked with coaches in 19 countries around the world. We are all better off for having listened to you for a few minutes today. Sky, how do people get more of you? How do they get more of Weave? Yeah, no, and, and know this, once again, I, I, I don't say shit unless I mean I'm genuine. It's going to be, I, you, my email is simply sky, S-K-Y-E, at, and then get, weave, right, G-E-T, and then weave, like weave a basket, sky at getweave.com and like literally you can email me and say hey I got a role play coming up uh do you have any feedback you can email me and say hey I'm struggling with this what have you seen not trying to say I'm a source of all knowledge I'm not by any means but uh I would love to help I'm happy to answer questions hell you can ask me you know what is snow college like you know like like literally feel free to email me reach out I'm more than happy to I love people. I love people. I love being around them. I love talking to them. I love hearing their stories. You know, so I probably love telling my story. Shit, who knows? I, I just like people. Uh, so sky at getweave.com. And then, uh, yeah, our company is, if you just go to www.getweave.com, uh, we're hiring in literally like every department. We, uh, on Glassdoor, we just, last year we were ranked seven, the seventh best company to work for. We have 99% of employees on, on internal surveys would recommend we, uh, that a friend come here. Uh, it, like it literally, obviously, as you can imagine, this company has stemmed from, it is everything. Our, our CEO, Brandon Rodman, deeply cares for our people. We, uh, we just had a, uh, you want to see something really interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, Rob. Go look up what our company gave every single employee for Christmas. And like, I'm not saying, like you said, it's not ping pong tables. It's not, it's not uh, the stuff per se. But like, put your money where your mouth is, right? Like, we had a ton of money that we could have done a bunch of things with because we crushed it. And you know what our leadership said, Brandon and you know our executive team? Like, we want to give this to our people. And like, gosh, it, it is something where when I posted it on on my Instagram, every person was like, "Hey, which one of those did you win?" They thought it was a raffle, right? They're like, "Which one of those did you win?" I'm like, "No, no, no!" Like, that's what they gave everyone, right? It was like wow. a Nike jacket, a Patagonia jacket. Um, you know, it was uh, they gave every single person a Traeger. Right. They gave every single person uh, like these GoPro 360 cameras and ear pods. And then uh, on top of all of it, gave them all a two thousand dollar Christmas cash bonus. And like it really did just come down to a lot of companies could have took that, spent it on their own executives and bonuses. Or they could have taken that and, you know, pumped it into a new cool workspace. But it was like, dude, we got there because of our people and like people first that we it really is. And uh, so. Yeah, no matter if you're in sales or no matter what, you're in awesome place to work. And uh, if you're interested at all, yeah, check us out. We hi- we're hiring like crazy. Sky, that's a that's a killer way to finish. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, you've been a terrific guest. You re- you're you're leading an amazing success story at one of the great technology companies in North America. Uh, I wish you all the best, Sky, and, and happy selling. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And I hope that you love that conversation. If you can't get fired up by listening to Sky's enthusiasm and authentic, genuine passion, and not just passion for what he does as a leader, but for his career and his profession, and and I think probably safe to say for life, then I don't know how I can get you fired up. He, he really has my, has me going and, and this was a great, uh, interview for anybody to listen to. It reminds me of one of my all time favorite quotes by Emerson where he said, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. And, and that kind of enthusiasm is what Sky embodies. And the words that I thought of as I spoke with him was, this guy is all in. You know, Sky is all in on his company. He is all in on his team. He is all in on every single rep. And, I bet they know it. I bet if you went and asked them, those reps know that Sky is all in on their success. 
And I think it all stems from the fact that Sky is all in on his career. Uh, I love the saying that he embodies. I've watched him uh, use it in his office. I've heard him talk about it here today. How you do anything is how you do everything. And I think that that's why you saw him want to tell his story on why he was able to achieve success as an athlete when people said he couldn't. Why that led him to sales so early on. Because you don't have to wait your turn in sales. If you can get out and get it, you got it. And so that attracted that kind of a guy. And that that led to him having success much faster than anybody would have predicted. Three years after he gets started, he's running sales on one of the fastest growing SaaS companies in North America. Go look at Weave and look at their success and, and all the things that are happening there. That, that story is a good one. I love that he had a couple of, of choices that he, that he identified. He chooses that he would rather say no to his leaders than say go. He'd rather have a culture where people can innovate and iterate, and he'd rather come back and, and say no rather than try and push them and have them go. And that's a really good element to look at as you build a high-growth culture. Are you having people that you got to tell them to go, or are they going, and then you're providing context and helping them make sure they're going in the right direction? Well, if you're having to tell people to go, there's a lot of challenges still in front of you. But that's not the biggest one. The one that really spoke to me was he clearly chooses improvement and momentum over destination and quota. He made it very clear. Momentum is his best friend. Activation energy is everything for them. You know, that whole thing on what gets you up in the morning and gets you going. Uh, they are a team where the motor has to run high. And uh, he, he made it really clear where he said, I will, if you're always improving and you're coachable and responding and doing it, he said, you said you do. There's always a spot here for you. I think that goes a long way, and that's why you have people that are not afraid to fail. They're always just looking for how they improve. One of my favorite tactics, pick your favorite month, let's beat that. Pick your favorite month, let's beat that. And he talked about building a system that allows your process to scale. So I want to finish with this. Everyone has a sales process, okay? Less than 3% have a coaching process. If you don't have a structured coaching process, don't expect your sales process to hold up under scale. There is a reason that 92% of, of Sky's reps hit goal. And that's because he has a system where he creates intentional improvement. And it won't matter if you had 40 reps on the team or now over 100. Great leaders figure out how do we intentionally improve, and then it happens. So if you want to have that kind of success, that kind of participation rate with your team, make sure you have a coaching system that will drive uh, the sales system. And if you go all in on every rep, you can create plans where everybody will improve faster than they ever thought, and you will become a legendary leader with your team as well. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the show. I hope uh, to see you guys all at Outreach's Unleashed Conference that I'll be speaking at here in a couple months. If you haven't signed up, we've got information on that on our website. Uh, keep giving us your, your great feedback on, the, on your podcast sites. We love those reviews. It helps other people find us. Uh, and finally, don't worry, just execute. And happy selling because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.